Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. Football season is already halfway through, and basketball season is now in full swing, and BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use the promo code Believe 50, B L E A V 50, to receive your bonus. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. afternoon or good night however and whenever it is you may be listening thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the take it easy podcast live on the believe podcast network except it isn't live because it's a podcast. Welcome, 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 everybody. It is November 16th, according to my count, and we are going to have a fun podcast today with our friend Razor Rosenthal, gambling expert Razor Rosenthal. We have a fascinating conversation about the final two weeks of college football, some locks going into this week and week before with their service over at Bet Online. They've got pro capping over there that is up 40 units right now, which for those who don't know gambling language, if you bet $500 on every single bet he made, you would have made about, well, roughly if you're up 40 units, that would mean you would make about $20,000. So you should probably check them out. Uh, We've got a great, great show for you today with Razor. We're going to also talk about the top four teams in the AFC between the Titans and the Ravens and the Bills and the Chiefs and try and sort all that out. We'll get to that in a little bit. But first, for our A Block, I am very excited because I have been hard at work here in the lab behind the scenes doing one of my favorite things to do here on the podcast, which is the professionally produced bit. And I shouldn't say professionally produced, I should say semi-professionally produced because, yeah, we're working on a tight budget here of only my free time. And uh, over this week, I spent about four hours in the lab making a two and a half minute video because that is what we do sometimes here on the podcast we make rap songs for drew Locke and spend four hours doing a fake andrew luck chase through indianapolis and across america or we spend an hour and a half making a 90 second clip to celebrate the packers last dance or the saints last dance or we do four hours making a sam darnold parody video sometimes we do things like that and this time I wanted to make one in the spirit of the Billy Joel song, We Didn't Start the Fire, which is a fantastic song to parody because it's literally just a song listing off names and events. And there are franchises that have lots of those. So we made another parody song here with one of our most beloved teams here on the Take It Easy podcast. And I don't mean that sarcastically at all. We're not talking about teams that we hate like the 
Chicago Bears, New York Giants, Denver Broncos. No, no, no. We have a team that we truly love on this podcast and love to joke about, never understanding ever how they work. It is the Atlanta Falcons. And so the Atlanta Falcons did not start the fire. I decided to spend four hours in the lab making this magical, professionally produced Atlanta Falcons parody song bit. Harry Douglas, Arthur Blank, Dante Fowler, Michael Vick, Devin Hester Hayden, Hurston Caleb McGarry. Tack McKinley, Deion Sanders, Michael Turner, Grady Jarrett, Austin Hooper, Tevin Coleman, Tony Gonzalez. Warwick Dunn, Brent Grimes, Kyle Pitts, Des Turfont, Leftwich, Julio, Mascot Has Creepy Eyes, Darren Holland, KZ, Maddie won an MVP, AJ Terrell, Duron Harmon, Russell Gage, Vic Beasley. We're the Atlanta Falcons. We're always flying and we keep on trying. We're the Atlanta Falcons. We keep blowing leads, but we try to fight it. Steven Jackson, Jalen Mayfield, Dan Quinn, and Shanahan, Jeff, George, Jake, Matthews, Fabian, Moreau, Mike Davis, Ito Smith, Devonta Freeman's Pro Bowl, Jock Keys, Rogers, Asante, Samuel, Young Way, Dean Pease, Mike Smith had a winning team, Henry Crockett, Petrino, Calvin Ridley, Jaden Graham, Deion Jones, Tajay Sharp, Cordero is a running back, Chris Lindstrom, D'Angelo Hall, some dude names a Keyes, we're the Atlanta Falcons. We're always flying and we keep on trying. We're the Atlanta Falcons. We keep blowing leads, but we try and fight it. Dirty Bird, bring it back. Roddy White and Alex Mack. Alford, Luke McCown, Super Bowl prostitutes. Justin Hardy, Matt Schaub, Atlanta Braves baseball beat. With an onside kick, Dirt Cutter's an idiot. Corey Peters, Richie Grant, Chris Chandler, Paul Warlow, Lee Smith, Jay Brown, Super Bowls a no-go, Sunu, Brooks, Reed, Mike Pinnell, Matt Hennessy, Dwight Freeney, Toy Lolo, don't score that ball, Todd Gurley. We're the Atlanta Falcons, we're always flying and we keep on trying. We're the Atlanta Falcons, we keep blowing leads and we try to fight it. Felt like that was a really well-spent four hours. If you go down the line for some of the hidden jokes in there, whether it's uh, don't score that ball, Todd Gurley, because remember when Todd Gurley scored that touchdown against the Lions and left time on the clock for the Lions to lead a comeback, or, you know, the Matt Ryan won an MVP, and then, you know, hitting him one after the other, just bang, 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 with uh, the A.J. Terrell, Duron Harmon, Russell Gage, Vic Beasley. That one was crisp, I do have to say so myself. That was uh, probably the strongest part of the song. Um, a lot of this stemmed from the idea of Roddy White and Alex Mack being hit back-to-back instead of Mickey Mantle Kerouac. Uh, I believe that's how it goes in the song. Uh, having that part right there uh, with Little Rock, Pastor Knack, Mickey Mantle, Kerouac, and having Roddy White and Alex Mack. That was one of the ideas that popped into my head there. 
altogether patting myself on the back because it was four hours very, very well spent. And I love this song, and you know we're going to be playing this all the time here. Uh, Dirk Cutter's an idiot came from the uh, onside kick attempt against the Cowboys last year where the ball was kind of spinning and everyone just stared at the ball. Um, and Dirk Cutter getting fired after that. Uh, could have gone Arthur Smith or Arthur Blank, but I wanted to go Arthur Blank and his wonderful mustache for the start of the song. So, yeah, that's a little behind the scenes into that. You know we'll be playing this all over again. In fact, we're going to play it right now to lead us into our conversation with our good friend Razor Rosenthal, who you can check out over on Beer Life Sports, as he'll tell you about a little bit off the top here because they got some cool stuff going on. But uh, play us into that segment of the podcast, me. Harry Douglas, Arthur Blank, Dante Fowler, Michael Vick, Devin Hester Hayden, Hurston Caleb McGarry. Tack McKinley, Deion Sanders, Michael Turner, Grady Jarrett, Austin Hooper, Tevin Coleman, Tony Gonzalez. Warwick Dunn, Brent Grimes, Kyle Pitts, Des Turfont, Leftwich, Julio, Mascot Has Creepy Eyes, Darren Holland, KZ, Maddie won an MVP, AJ Terrell, Duron Harmon, Russell Gage, Vic Beasley, we're the Atlanta Falcons. We're always flying and we keep on trying. We're the Atlanta Falcons. We keep blowing leads, but we try to fight it. Steven Jackson, Jalen Mayfield, Dan Quinn, and Shanahan, Jeff, George, Jake, Matthews, Fabian, Moreau. Mike Davis, Ito Smith, Devonta Freeman's Pro Bowl, Jockeys, Rogers, Asante, Samuel, Young Way, Dean Pease, Mike Smith had a winning team, Henry Crockett, Petrino, Calvin Ridley, Jaden Graham, Dion Jones, Tajay Sharp, Cordero is a running back, Chris Lindstrom, D'Angelo Hall, some dude named Zacchaeus, we're the Atlanta Falcons, we're always flying and we keep on trying, we're the Atlanta Falcons. We keep blowing leads, but we try and fight it. Dirty Bird, bring it back. Roddy White and Alex Mack. Alford, Luke McCown, Super Bowl. Prostitutes, Justin Hardy, Matt Schaub, Atlanta Braves. Baseball beat with an onside kick. Dirt Cutter's an idiot. Corey Peters, Richie Grant, Chris Chandler, Paul Warlow, Lee Smith, Jay Brown, Super Bowl's a no-go, Sunu, Brooks, Reed, Mike Pinnell, Matt Hennessy, Dwight Freeney, Toy Lolo, don't score that ball, Todd Durley. We're the Atlanta Falcons, we're always flying and we keep on trying, we're the Atlanta Falcons, we keep blowing leads and we try to fight it. Uh, let's jump right into it. Let's hear about uh, all the cool stuff going on at Beer Life Sports because I know you said you're up like forty point or forty units uh, with the guy who has been giving you professional expertise over there, which I think is really cool. Yeah, Beer Life Sports has really dove into the heavy model of gambling and fantasy sports over the last few months. Uh, really powered by a gentleman that we call the Oracle, who's a professional handicapper and has really become a huge asset for us and for our subscribers. Beer Life Sports is uh, getting close to four figures when it comes to subscribers, getting close to that 1,000 mark of people who believe in the Oracle, believe in our product. They get direct text messages to their phone 
every single day for NBA, NC2A football plays, and the NFL. Uh, the price of that, Kyle, is only $49.95 per month. So if you followed the Oracle over the last uh, six to seven days, uh, your subscription uh, of one month is pretty much paid off uh, within seconds. So it's, uh, it's actually the, the perfect scenario. And if you pay for the year, the whole year, you're pretty much in great shape for several years to come if you followed those bets and played them based on the units that the Oracle uh, has suggested. So um, we want you to uh, visit us at BeerLife.com, uh, learn about what we do there, follow the Oracle, follow me, and uh, you can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at Beer Life Sports. But BeerLife.com is where you sign up and subscribe. Yes, and all those links are, as always, in the description to today's episode, which uh, they're little clickable links, hopefully, as long as you're listening on a device that I think is not Google Podcasts. I think we've had issues with Google Podcasts, but everything else, you should be able to directly click the links in the description to today's episode. And how about for your subscribers that bet, Kyle, can I throw a promo code out there to give them 50% off the first month for the Oracle's picks? Uh, that promo code at beerlife.com can be entered as Razor50, R-A-Z-O-R-5050. That's going to cost now just about $25. Play those bets, and you're probably cashing major tickets there. You, we were talking off air about the uh, Orlando Magic bet, and I thought that was kind of funny. Did you want to bring here? Yeah, I think it's yeah awesome. absolutely. Let's talk about the four massive plays that the Oracle has given our subscribers in the beer life team over the last seven days. You just alluded to the Orlando magic. I'm not an NBA guy, Kyle. I'm not going to pretend that I'm an NBA guy, but I know the Orlando magic are not good compared to the Utah jazz and the if Oracle it helps. They do. They do have Jalen Suggs. That's a name okay. you probably remember from last year. So I that's do. Something at least. I do from Spokane, Washington. Um, yeah. I mean, you're, you're looking at uh, an organization that uh, should not beat the Utah jazz. The point spread was 12 and a half. And the money line for the Orlando Magic, I believe, sat, depending on where you shop, it's always depending on where you shop, but let's just say 550 across the board. And, you know, the, the Oracle suggested to the subscribers of Beer Life Sports that pay to, to nail this as a five-unit play. So, you know, that, that that's a chunk of change for someone. If a unit is $100, okay, he suggests you bet 500 at plus 545. Kyle, the math on that is about, you know, $2,800, $2,900 return on a $500 wager. So we he gave you that. He gave us the Washington football team yesterday at plus 370. Didn't even tell you to take the points. He said bet the money line. He gave subscribers the Miami Dolphins on Thursday night against the Baltimore Ravens and, and on another big play. And then another massive college football play that transpired, not this Saturday, but the Saturday before, the under in the first half in game of Army Air Force. Kyle, at halftime, the Army Air Force score was 0-0. And then we got a little lucky in overtime and still stayed under the total. So, uh, you know, again, you're looking at 40-plus units, and it really just depends on how much money you bet per unit. Uh, that's a lot of money if you're averaging $100-plus dollars more per unit. Uh, my favorite stat from that game, I believe, was that Air Force had zero pass attempts in the first three quarters of that game. I can't remember if that was this game or the week before. I thought that was absolutely fantastic. And Not much yeah, throwing. You should, yeah, you should generally bet unders in uh, service academies and also San Diego State. Always bet unders for service academies in San Diego State. If they set the line at 27 They'll only score 20. If they set the line at 40, 
they'll always score 34. It just always bet the under on San Diego State and the service academies. <laughs> it's true. Uh, Brady Hoke doesn't play offense and puts you in a good spot. And San Diego State's a good team. They continue to win and they uh, continue to go under. Yeah, and uh, shout out to Matt Ariza, which is the uh, the punter for San Diego State who has broken the single season record for most 60 plus yard punts in a college football season. Um, in a year where we don't have a true Heisman front runner, Matt Ariza of San Diego State making his case to win the Heisman as the Aztecs punter. Possibly your Ray Guy <laughs> award winner right there. Yep, I think it's like him and another guy from Colorado State. So the Mountain West apparently this year is rolling with punters. Seems to be a great – that's the lane that the Mountain West has carved out is we're going to have great punters and we're going to beat Utah every year. That seems to be the Mountain West lane. <laughs> there you go. Well, it's, uh, that's, it is what it is. That's what we're looking at. Mountain West is not attractive on the East Coast to many people, especially those late-night games. But congratulations to the possible Ray Guy Award winner over there in San Diego. All righty. So uh, while we're on the topic of college football, by the time some people may be listening to this, the new rankings will have dropped. And I'll ask you off the bat the same question I've asked anyone who knows anything about college football that has come on the podcast. Blank teams can still make the college football playoff. What is the number of teams that can still make it to the college football playoff? Well, I would say Michigan and Michigan State are still alive. Um, if I am correct, I think I am. Michigan State will play uh, Ohio State this year. I would imagine both teams typically play each other each year. So the Buckeyes. It is this weekend at this Columbus. Weekend. That is okay. Correct. All right. So uh, yeah, you're right. It is. And the Buckeyes are probably a huge favorite in that game. Michigan State's offense is, is tricky. It could really come on strong and sometimes it, it collapses. Uh, yeah, I mean, Michigan State is, is a live underdog to get to the to the Final Four. Uh, they beat Michigan, so they deserve to be in just as good a spot as the Wolverines, so those are two teams. I, I just I can't count Cincinnati. I, I just I just don't understand this team. They, they cannot cover the number, Kyle, since they beat Notre Dame. It's been just very average football. But if I'm taking away Cincinnati, how dare I put Notre Dame, who lost at home to Cincinnati, you know, you know, so it, it is difficult to navigate this process. The, the ACC will have no representatives. The Pac-12 will only have Oregon as a viable candidate. The Big Ten, like I said, you're looking at Ohio State. And I said this on your podcast six, seven weeks ago. Ohio State is going to be there. It always happens. They always figure out a way to cruise through the Big Ten. Uh, and, and I think they are a better team than Oregon. That, that was a very fluky game in Columbus over the middle of September. So to answer your question, I'm I'm looking at I'm looking at Michigan and Michigan State. If, if one of them can beat Ohio State, they 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 give me reason to believe that they could possibly get in. Um, Oklahoma, well, good job there. Um, you really showed up in Waco. Uh, I would say <laughs> I, I made the joke on Sunday that uh, I'm glad that finally we can stop pretending like Oklahoma was a good team. <laughs> they just they they kept winning games by 14 points or seven points and they were still undefeated. I'm glad we don't have to pretend anymore. Piss, yeah, piss poor performance by the the Oklahoma Sooners. And I would say the pokes of the Cowboys are a little bit alive. I would say, you know, they run the table. They beat Oklahoma and in Bedlam. They win the Big 12 championship and the dominoes fall where the Ohio State Buckeyes lose to Michigan or Michigan State and perhaps Oregon loses to Utah. I think Oregon will lose to Utah potentially 
one out of the two times they're going to play. I mean, Oregon and Utah are going to square off. Uh, there, as a matter of fact, they are going to square off, I believe, in Salt Lake this Saturday night. And then they're going to probably play in, in Las Vegas for the championship game. So I don't know if Oregon can beat Utah twice. For some reason, I have a sneaky feeling. So I think the most live underdog to get to the Final Four that controls, their, I think, the best path are the Pokes of Oklahoma State. I think if they run the table, they, they could sneak in as the fourth seed. So I'm eliminating Cincinnati and Notre Dame, and I'm going to throw in Oklahoma State as the number one team to sneak into the Final Four along with followed by Michigan State, followed by Michigan. You have to give Michigan State the edge. Straight up win. Michigan State beats Ohio State and runs the table. They're probably in. But I just I don't see I don't see Michigan State beating Ohio State. So I think we're going to see them finally eliminated this Saturday in Columbus. Oklahoma State is an interesting one because they will get a chance to beat Oklahoma and Baylor again, but I hadn't even considered them because I just assumed Oklahoma was the only chance the Big 12 had. But I did kind of forget, like, yeah, Oklahoma State has only lost one time this year. Yes, it was a rough loss against Iowa State, but I don't think rough losses matter anymore considering Oregon's going to get in with a loss to Stanford. So I don't know how badly rough losses will take you down as much, especially when you're looking for any excuse to keep Cincinnati out. Um, we going back a second to what you said at the beginning, what would you guess that the line is between Michigan state and Ohio state this weekend, early in the week, it's still early in the week, but what would, what is the early line game? The game is in Columbus. Yes. I, I, you know, it's going to be close to two touchdowns and a field goal. So let's go ahead and throw a line out of 17 and a half. It is 19 and a half, according to what I can see here. Wow. Okay. That's big. That's a big number. And I think the public is going to rush to the, uh, to the window to take Sparty here at plus 19 and a half. But Kyle, we've seen these big spreads in these big games and the favorites just really cover a lot of the times, you know, I think everybody was excited to see Miami, Alabama week one, where the line was what 20 something. And a lot of, a lot of tickets were on Miami to just lose by 18 to 20 points. And, that didn't even come close. So it's a tricky game. You know, Ohio State is so capable of of scoring at will, but their defense still a suspect. 19 and a half. My God, I don't want to be the square guy and say I love Michigan State here, but I, I lean towards Sparty here to keep this game within two touchdowns because the Buckeye defense can struggle at times. But, yeah, that just goes to show you, I mean, Sparty's not going to win this game, and I think they're eliminated on Saturday. Columbus. Well, this is the interesting part of all of this because Ohio State, like you said at the very beginning, Ohio State would pick it up and they definitely did because they dropped 59 on Purdue this week. So Ohio State, was it was it just a case of like they just needed to get the offense like together more? I like I don't even know how they go from being like everyone's questioning them to not really playing anyone to now they're just kind of dominating. Is that kind of what happened? Was they just needed reps? They needed reps. Their running game was very weak in the beginning of the year. The new quarterback, young kid. So I think we knew they had the best receiving core in the country. So now it's like, okay, let's figure out the pass rush on defense. Let's figure out a running game. And I think they are by far the classiest team to look at in the Big Ten. I think Michigan could give them some problems. I think the Michigan defense is playing pretty good football. I just don't know if there's enough firepower as we saw in state college with Michigan over the weekend. I mean, McNamara is a decent quarterback, probably one of 
Harbaugh's better quarterbacks over the last eight years. But I don't think they can match points. Unfortunately, if you're a Wolverine fan, when they play Thanksgiving weekend, which is coming up, I cannot believe Michigan, Ohio State is coming up in about, you know, do the math on that, 12 days, whatever it is from now. Uh, you know, I just, I just don't think Michigan has enough firepower, but I do like their defense this year and look forward to that game, I think, hosted in Ann Arbor. Yeah, I believe that is correct this year. I thought it was funny that the schedule was coming to an end because I saw all the SEC teams were playing all the FCS teams again. And I'm like, oh my gosh, is it that time of the year now where you've got a random New Mexico State or the Citadel game in there for SEC teams or Samford putting up 42 points and a half against Florida? And I think Georgia plays like Charleston Southern this weekend or something. So I, I guess the season is pretty much almost over at this point. It is wrapping up and just not a great weekend of college football, unfortunately. And, you know, I've said this on your podcast a few times this fall, Kyle. I don't this this season's been just very blah to me. Just nothing is getting me excited. These marquee matchups. Let's just face the facts. Utah and Oregon. Is that going to get you excited where you can't miss a down or a snap? Well, that's our best option, I think, this weekend as as Oregon travels to Salt Lake, and that's a good line right there. I mean, I, I boy, I'd like to, I'd like to try to guess that line. Oregon in in Salt Lake, Oregon on the road has been pretty good, except the one one debacle at the farm, which I think they they deserve to win that game. That was a bogus pass interference call against Stanford. So Oregon on the road at Salt Lake. I'm going to make this line almost close to a pick. I'm let's say Utah one and a half, but can't be that much more I mean if it gets to a field goal I'll be shocked it is currently as I see it right now and again it's early in the week right now but it is currently set up I'm looking at two places just to confirm it it is currently set up with both places Utah as a three-point favorite against Oregon okay so it is a little shocking to me that it it has reached three but I'll tell you what Kyle I'm gonna bet you a beer that by Saturday night, if you're willing to take my bet, that line gets to two, gets to Utah two. I, I think, I think the betting public will drive that number down a little bit lower than two and a half or three. I say Utah minus two, and I say Utah wins that game, and I don't feel great about it, but that's your game of the week. I must profess, I don't know very much about Utah, other than the fact that I know they lost to both BYU and San Diego State this year. Uh, shout out to the Aztecs. This is a little heavy San Diego State podcast for some reason that had to flex my hometown team. But um, why is it that Utah is favored against Oregon when it seems like Oregon is such an overwhelming favorite in the Pac-12 all season? And now I'm hearing that like, even if or Utah's a slight favorite, Vegas kind of views them equally at this point. So what is the deal with Utah? Utah has found two identities after losing to San Diego State and BYU. They found a quarterback after Charlie Brewer kind of was a disaster and quit on the team uh, pretty much in the middle of the season. Wait, is that, is that the Charlie Brewer who used to be at Baylor? Correct. Yep, that is correct. Wow. Yeah, transfer portal shocks me every now and then. Like I saw the Helinski brothers now at like Northwestern. The transfer portal always surprises me every now and then. The portal will get you sometimes when you don't pay attention. Summer, Uh, and you know Utah's defense has always been probably a top three defense every year since joining the conference. 
is probably the best defense uh, by far this season in the Pac-12. Maybe second to Washington. Washington's got a really good defense and one of the worst offenses in the Pac-12, and that's why that's who they are right now. That's why they are who they are, I should say. Anyways, going back to your answer, I think they found a good quarterback. He's a very solid middle-of-the-road Pac-12 quarterback that if your defense puts you in great spots, he can put the ball in the end zone. So they found identity uh, week number four. And, uh, you know, one slip-up for Utah, I believe, uh, ever since Charlie Brewer left. I think they've won about five out of six games since Brewer has exited Salt Lake City. So identity's there. They, They are a tougher team than Oregon. I think they're more disciplined than Oregon. And I think you are going to sweat out this game if you bet on either team. It's going to be close. That's good to know because maybe I will watch it. Considering that uh, the two college football games I watched this uh, this past weekend was pretty much all of Kansas and Texas because <laughs> that was just absolutely fantastic. And I watched all of Georgia and Tennessee. Even when I knew the game was over, I still kept watching Georgia pummel Tennessee because I, ju- I was just fascinated by Stenson Bennett for some reason. So um, I, it, maybe Oregon and Utah is one of these types of games where I watch it, even if it's like a weird, not super visually appealing game, I guess just because he kind of puts stakes behind it a little bit. Yeah. I, listen, let's talk about Texas real quick. Uh, ever since Epic third and end of the third quarter, to the end of the fourth quarter collapse against Oklahoma, this team is five feet under the ground. And six feet under may have transpired last Saturday night when they lost to the – I don't even want to call them Kansas Jayhawks. I'm just going to call them the Lawrence Jayhawks. I mean, this team <laughs> I don't deserves to put a college name behind their back. Uh, that is a disgraceful loss based on a – a talent level that is so lopsided that that I think what we saw there as a former student athlete playing college tennis at the division one level, what you saw there is, is a team that's given up, you know, that, that, that's just a team that you just cannot lose when the talent level is that different. You just don't care. You go into that game. You, th- these kids are just probably talking about what they're going to do Saturday night in Austin. There's probably very little focus. We saw what happened. With that, with that video that got leaked in Ames, Iowa, when the when those kids from Texas just did not care about losing to the Cyclones, uh, this is a very, very toxic environment, and I and I feel bad for Coach Sark because things were looking good uh, early on in the year down in Austin, and this is probably the most epic collapse I have seen in a long time. Losing the KU, getting blown out by Iowa State, losing to pretty much every team. Since the Oklahoma loss, I think they may have beat TCU, which was a team pretty much in turmoil as well with their coach. But the the, the Texas Longhorns are a joke. And if you took Texas uh, laying whatever that was, 31 points, uh, you probably didn't feel great on Sunday morning. No, I, I would imagine not. When you say that they quit, does that mean like they've quit on Sark or they've just kind of like given up on the season? And they're like, all right, we'll pack our stuff in and come back next year. Well, I think it's more of not like quitting physically. Uh, I think it's just more like checking out mentally where you're just like, you don't care. You think you're going to beat Kansas, so you're not putting in the reps. You're not, you're not putting in, you're not going on the field. This is not a, this is not indicative of every player out there. I'm sure there's some kids out there on the Texas Longhorns that gave it all they could mentally, physically against Kansas. But I just don't think a collective unit of the Texas Longhorns, if they were all, all in, 
they'd lose to Kansas. It's just nearly impossible with the talent level. I mean, Kansas plays teams, you know, you know, I don't even, you know, look at their schedule. They may have played teams like UConn and the scores are, you know, 12, 10. I mean, like it just doesn't make sense. You know, what, what transpired in Austin, uh, you, you kind of have to have mental lapses of uh, immaturity there. And that's what, that's what's going on in Texas. You, you got a group, you got, you got a group of student athletes there, uh, not the whole team, but I think a big group of kids that don't care. And that's a shame because that is a respected program with so much tradition and history. And a lot of people pay a lot of money to be boosters and to have season tickets. And that's what you get. That's a damn shame. Well, uh, they all left at halftime, too, was the other amazing photo of that, was everyone pouring out of the gates at halftime and the stadium being empty at the very end, which was fantastic for the end of the game. Weird, I guess. Well, I can't blame them. I can't blame them. I really can't. That was an embarrassing loss. I'm wanting to go back to something you mentioned a second ago, because this is a story I found interesting but never really had a place to loop it in on the podcast, was... um, TCU quietly just walked away from Gary Patterson after, you know, 22 years. He was one of the longest tenured coaches and he'd had some some racist allegations in his past and mistreatment of players stuff that it was kind of bubbling under the surface. But that was a very quiet parting of ways with someone who was basically the, that program. That program was Gary Patterson before the Big 12 and after the Big 12. And very quietly just went away. I, and it wasn't like a retirement or anything like that. They, at the very least, had the courtesy to call it a mutual parting of ways, which kind of just means TCU wanted another coach. But it was very quietly a story I thought was kind of big in college football. Yeah, it is big. It's a Big 12 program. It's a tremendous opportunity for the next coach. I think Gary Patterson did a very good job about six, seven, eight, nine years ago with a good run with a major defensive players that are a lot of them are playing in the national football league but at the end of the day you know this is the big 12 and tcu has done absolutely nothing they they are a team that will get you to uh, six or seven wins consistently eight wins if you're lucky uh, knock off a texas on occasion knock off an oklahoma on occasion but this team doesn't i mean i think the fan base and the alumni may deserve better Uh, gary patterson was you know probably robbed of a final four appearance, whenever that was, Kyle, maybe that was eight years ago. I, I just can't do the math on when the final four started. I remember it was Baylor, TCU. Those two teams were battling for the opportunity to be the, th- the number four seed. And I think oh, maybe a one-loss Buckeye team got in or two loss. Who, who knows? I don't remember. Yeah, but... I think that was the year Ohio State won the championship. That would have been like 2014 or something like that. Years ago, and I think I could be right. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty close to that. And I think they let Urban Meyer in, uh, and they in and won a national title. But uh, I, I, I just, I just think that, you know, I don't know what happened. It is a bizarre situation. But I think at the end of the day, if they didn't do it the second week of November, Gary Patterson would be fired uh, probably Thanksgiving weekend. So they went ahead and made the move, and uh, we say rest in peace to the. Uh, the Gary Patterson tenure uh, in in uh, Fort Worth, Texas, and good luck to the uh, the Horn Frogs. So I have the uh, list of TCU seasons going back to the Gary Patterson era, starting in what looks like 2001. And I didn't realize that Gary Patterson went from Conference USA to Mountain West to Big Twelve all in his time at TCU, which is kind of fascinating. But 
so after moving to the Big 12, they had a fifth place, seventh place finish. Then the 2014 was the year that they got robbed of the playoff berth and went to the Peach Bowl. They won the Peach Bowl. They finished ranked third in the country that year in the postseason. Then 2015, they won the Alamo Bowl, which is kind of like the unofficial eighth New Year's Six Bowl game. Um, So they won that. Then they were fifth in the Big 12, second in the Big 12 when they won the Alamo Bowl again. Uh, Then 2018, fifth, seventh, and fifth. And then this year, I think they're eighth right now at the time he got fired. So I guess that was just, yeah. Middle of the pack. I mean, and I don't, I think, you know, I think that's a pretty good job. I mean, because let's let's be let's be realistic. Can TCU consistently finish one, two, or three ahead of Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Texas? Uh, probably not. You know, I just they're just they're just not big enough school. It's not a big enough probably recruiting base to do it. And Baylor is pretty close by in Waco, which I think is a more respected school than TCU from an academic standpoint. So not that that matters in college football, but um, yeah, I, I, I don't, I think he did a pretty good job. I just feel like it's probably warranted to, to move on from this guy. And you know what? There could be some pretty serious behind the scenes stuff that, that they don't want to bring out. So they just parted ways and um, it is what it is there. I'll tell you. Yeah, it felt like a, a what have you done for me recently type of move where it's like, yeah, this is the, the legacy guy for the program and like kind of made TCU a relevant program. And at the same time, kind of had lost a step a little bit. I don't know what the cause correlation is between all of the allegations around Patterson and the team starting to fall off. But it feels like a classic case of like eh, four years at the bottom of the conference is going to get anyone fired. I think that's kind of just the nature of college sports as a whole. And I think that seems to explain it now that we've talked it out a little bit is just four consecutive seasons where you're making like the cheese it bowl or not making a bowl game at all. So I guess that's kind of just the nature of college sports more than anything else in this one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So in the NFL, you got anything interesting there daily fantasy wise or, picks this week or just team that doesn't make sense uh new england patriots <laughs> or anything of those sorts well yeah you know I'll, I'll give you i'll give you two things that stood out and, and one of them you just mentioned the patriots have a quarterback the patriots have found an identity an identity identity on defense and i think they are a threat to compete to win a round or two in the playoffs i think they have a clear path to the playoffs as long as they don't you know make any big mistakes somehow have any big injuries because I'm just not impressed by Cincinnati and Cleveland and all these teams that we kind of expected three weeks ago to be seated, you know, four, five, six. So new England has surprised me. Tennessee um, is really good. Uh, Their defense is shocking to me that they're holding teams to a respective total of, you know, 21 points or under for quite a few games. Uh, Tennessee going to uh, SoFi on Sunday night football was a big surprise as a seven and a half point underdog and winning that game with no issues. That surprised me. Um, I feel like the, the big surprise to me uh, is, 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 is kind of not shouldn't be surprising, but how Kansas city was able to finally return to form last night. I think, I think what we saw last night was just an outpour of finally the Kansas city, uh, 
Chiefs not being bet on by the betting public. And ironically, uh, except me, I did have units on the Chiefs yesterday, and uh, it yeah. came through finally after I also picked the Chiefs the week before and got backdoor covered on the Jordan Love to Alan Lazard touchdown. Oh, that's a tough one. Kansas City surprised me last night. I uh, when I watched them play Green Bay. You, you saw the same problems that we've seen all season, a discombobulated offense. The defense has played much better over the last three weeks, and I think we can thank uh, – I, I think that with the combination of is – it, is it Frank Clark and then Chris Jones finally back together, I think, now for two consecutive weeks with the injuries that they both have had, have made a huge impact on that team and that defense. Uh, Kansas City last night really, really put people in a good position – if they bet on Kansas City to win the AFC West maybe two weeks ago as a live dog, you know, that was a – I told you on your show many, many weeks ago, week one or two, is I love Kansas City at minus 150 to win the AFC West. Well, you know, that, that got up to maybe close to plus 200 three weeks ago. So that was incredible value. And, Kyle, I, I think they're going to win it. I really do. I, I think we're, we, we may see uh, a transformation here of Kansas City – uh, navigating their way through here. What do they have? Maybe seven games left. I think they can go six and one if they figure this out. They, they are still a, a really good football team, even though they're secondary suspect. But the Kansas City Chiefs really surprised me. The New England Patriots beat down of the Carolina Panthers and the Cleveland Browns over the last two weeks. Little surprising there that both teams got beat down. And I'll give the Carolina Panthers a little bit of credit there. You know, I, I think there was a little bit of scare of P.J. Walker. You, you, you can't even fathom that, you know, Cam would even be a factor. But, man, did they put a beat, beating on uh, Arizona. And Arizona will give them a pass. No Kyler Murray, no D-Hop. I uh, really can't really can't figure out that team at all as well, you know. But, uh, yeah, the biggest surprise is the Patriots uh, and the Bills. The Bills better better be ready for the Patriots. It's not going to be an easy game when they come to Buffalo on Monday Night Football in a couple weeks. I feel like the Cardinals are still pretty good, though, right? They're like, good. They, they, they're, yeah. they're, they're good, I think. You know, I think it'd be fun to watch them play the Cowboys in a wild card game in the playoffs. But I, I still think they're good. I, I, I like to think Arizona can still compete, even though we just haven't seen it before from them. Yeah, I, I just I, I saw a team that against Green Bay, and let's just talk about Green Bay real quick. Green Bay nine and zero in in their last nine games against the spread. By the way, um, the Packers' defense is really good, really good. And you know whose defense is not good, Kyle? Tampa Bay. And I think Tom Brady really needs Gronkowski and or Antonio Brown. Those are like his safety nets. And, you know, I feel like with Evans, there's really not a safety net there. It's just boom or bust like we saw on that late touchdown. But the fact that the Washington football team was able to matriculate for 10 minutes and 50 seconds to end the game is an embarrassment. That, that, I mean, that, that defense is soft. Their secondary is absolute garbage. And I, you know, I, I believe in Tampa because I think when Brady gets all his weapons, that's going to be a very difficult team to beat. But the NFC right now, it should go through the state of Wisconsin. I, I think Green Bay is the best team there. And the AFC right now, Music City, I think it goes through Music City. Oh, I can't do it. I can't believe that an AFC South team is actually good. It's it's too hard for me. I'd still give it to Baltimore. I know they had a rough week and they've got real problems on the offensive line, 
but I guess I just trust that quarterback, even in spite of the offensive line troubles to come through in some of these situations down the stretch, especially as they play some more inferior opponents. But that, that one was concerning. If you wanted to poke holes in the Ravens, that is definitely the game to do it because that offensive line played terrible and the Dolphins just went blitz, 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 blitz the entire game. But isn't that the, isn't that the strategy moving forward against Baltimore? They don't have a running game where you're so concerned about if you blitz heavy that there will be a stud running back that's going to get right through the blitz and find a hole. They just don't have anybody to run the ball to. So you can get to Jackson if you blitz the house. I mean, even Superman can't escape four NFL you know, starting defensive ends or corners or linebackers, depending on what your blitz package is. I, I, I don't trust Baltimore, Kyle. I really don't. I trust the Tennessee Titans a little bit more because their offensive line is better. I trust if Julio Jones gets back, gets on track, Derrick Henry makes a miracle return around Christmas. I don't know. I don't. I just don't see many teams beating them. I do think Buffalo could beat them. They should have beat them. I think the Bills have. They just got to figure out how to play two good weeks of football in a row. We haven't seen it yet in Orchard Park. You know, I think I want to do the sports radio debate here and just devil's advocate for the Ravens a little bit because I I think the the pivot for Baltimore is that the running game has now been depleted apart from Lamar who's going to be a top 10 rusher this year but I do think for all the concerns last year about the problems with the receiving core the receivers do feel like they've pretty much been fixed like Bateman and Watkins make it so that as long as you know if Hollywood Brown is your best receiver it's not great but if Hollywood Brown is your second best receiver or third best receiver then it makes your life a little bit easier so I would say if it's just going to become a blitz package, I think the solution is just single coverage with speedy safeties and or speedy receivers on corners or against safeties or whatever it might be, and just take advantage of Lamar Jackson's arm talent, I guess. That's kind of the way I would say that they pivot on that, but they had nothing against Miami on that side of it too. And Buffalo doesn't have those same problems, but I well, – but- the Buffalo running game is really, really weak as well. I mean, Matt Breida and Devin Singletary and Zachary Moss, I don't know if they get the job done against these great football teams. You really can zero in on Josh Allen and not really worry about any of those three running backs that I mentioned. I, I, you know, the AFC's tough. This, this, this is a very tough one to figure out to win the AFC championship. I wonder who the leader in the clubhouse is from a gambling standpoint on the money line. That is something I have not checked. I, I, I think the odds are just all over the place for the AFC champions right now as we sit here, you know, 10 days before Thanksgiving. But um, I, I don't know. I, 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 th- I think Tennessee will, will earn the one seed. I don't know if they're going to win the AFC, but I, I have a feeling they're going to be fine. You know, I, I think they get the Jags one more time. They may not have played Houston yet, Kyle. So we could see Tennessee get two freebies there as well. Oh, Tennessee has a ridiculously easy schedule to finish the season at this point. So they have, uh, I think the Jaguars in there too. They have, uh, they've got some really easy games to end the year. Yeah. They, they play Jacksonville once. I think they beat them in Florida. So they have the Jags in Nashville 
They play the Colts in Nashville because no, they've already beat the Colts. They've been the Colts Here, twice. Would you like the full? This is yeah. the full schedule left for the Titans at this point. They go, just go I'm going to put it off the top right now. They only play one team with a winning record. The rest there you of the go. They, they should be the unless a major injury transpires. They're the number one seed in the AFC. So you have next week Texans at home at New England, home against the Jaguars at Pittsburgh, home against the 49ers home against the Dolphins, and at Houston. Yeah, I mean, at Pittsburgh, not easy. Uh, at New England, not easy. Uh, but you're, I really, if, if there are six games left, Kyle, I, I think they all, all they have to do is win four out of six. And you're looking at a win over Jacksonville, two over Houston. And if they can sneak a win against the Niners, they're, they're the number one seed. I'm, no one's going to catch up to them at this point. Four out of six would get them to 12 and four. And I think that's probably going to be just about right for getting the one seed in this AFC, I would assume. Well, there's a 17th game. so. Um, oh, yeah, they have, uh, they have seven games left. So I guess it would be okay. five out of seven, which would be right. 13 and four. Yeah, and I think, I think 12 and five may do it too, Kyle, because of the direct wins they have over Buffalo, which could be huge if Buffalo gets to 12 and five. Uh, oh, Baltimore and Kansas City and Kansas City. I think Kansas City is a team that could end up six and one over the next seven games, and that would put them at twelve and five, a straight up victory over Kansas City as well. So, yeah, I think the the, the path for Tennessee is there. Um, can they win it? I'll tell you what. If Derrick Henry comes back, I I think they will win the AFC. Uh, that's a big if, and maybe I'm maybe I'm ignorant. Is t- he's not ruled out for the whole year, right? He's on IR and. Um, perhaps available if healthy uh, towards the playoffs. Is that right? That is the last I heard. I'm hoping yeah. for about like week 15 because that's when I'll play in my fantasy championship. Uh, that's around go. when I'm hoping he'll come back. So uh, to close one last loop here, would you like the current odds for the AFC championship right now? Yes, I would. I, I have no idea what they are. Can, can, we, can we do some guessing, guessing the lines on your show? I like this. Yes. Uh, of right. course, you can guess the lines from our friends at Bet Online Sportsbook, of course. That's a great sportsbook, by the way. I've had a chance to navigate. All right. So I'm going to roll with Tennessee as the favorite, and I could be wrong, but let's give them a plus. This is to win the AFC. Do I have that right? Yeah, to win the AFC. Man, this is tough. Oh, man. Uh, Tennessee plus 185. Plus 185. That's interesting. So the current favorite is sitting at plus 235, and it is not the Tennessee Titans. Is it the Buffalo Bills? It is your Buffalo Bills. Okay, the Buffalo Bills are 235. That means Tennessee selling at a really good number. It has to be, what, 265? Ah, keep going, my friend. 300? 300? Keep going. Even higher. The Tennessee wow. Titans well, are currently plus four fifteen. So I, the AFC. I, ha- I have not been this off in a long time, um, and I'm embarrassed. Uh, you should probably never have me on this podcast again. That <laughs> is, that's a reasonable play to just say, let's just take it, let's roll the dice, let's play Tennessee, sprinkle in maybe the Bills. Kansas City's probably now a little bit better. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, excuse me, uh, lower value than Tennessee. They must be what three twenty. That is about correct. They're three thirty. So three thirty. Right. Okay. All right. And and what are the Lamar Jackson Ravens? I'll go ahead and say two ninety. 
Oh, no, the Baltimore Ravens are 530 right now. Okay, that's good value, too. So, Kyle, I'm going to take a pass on the Chiefs. I'll play the Bills um, for the medium unit. I'll play the Tennessee on a medium unit, and I'll play the Ravens small unit there. Interesting, interesting. And no one else, you don't want a long shot there, like the, the Patriots at plus 840 right now? No, like just not, not enough weapons against Kansas City or Buffalo or the Ravens, but maybe they match up pretty good against Tennessee, and we'll learn about that, I guess, two, three weeks from now. But no, I'm going to pass on New England. I don't want to throw away even a small unit. I, I don't like the Patriots to advance to the Super Bowl, but I do love them in a spot as the six or seven seed here, I think. Well, we'll see them in that position come December. I do agree with you on the fact that those are the four teams that are kind of like the ones that feel like we, they can win the AFC. I thought at the start of the year, the Chargers were also in that mix, but now they seem to be, you know, not on the same level as those other teams. But I think that's just going to be like defensive struggles that keep them down. So I don't know. I think those four teams are probably the ones at the top of the AFC that I would bank on. Yeah. That's what I, that's 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 my uh, that's those are my predictions and where I would throw my units on at this point. Well, we appreciate your expertise, even if you were off on the Titans, but I guess that means you have good value at this. Point. <laughs> way off, way off. Great value for Tennessee, there, folks. Go ahead, throw throw a couple units, maybe two or three units on the uh, Tennessee Titans to win the AFC, and you'll be really excited at plus four and change if. You bet it now and you learn that King Henry returns around uh, Christmas time, New Year's Eve, that he's back. You'll be pretty happy. Because I think that's the thing I'm banking on. Because as much as the, the schedule does look good for the Titans, if you take out Derrick Henry and you take out Julio Jones, and we've kind of seen it against the Rams and against the Saints, is just that they're really going to struggle to score points. Their, re- they, their defense has improved significantly, but... I think that's where, uh, miraculously, the strength of the Titans is now in their defense because I, I do think they're really going to struggle to score points over the next few weeks. They could. They could. And, uh, but, for, but for them, Kyle, they may not have to score a lot against the Texans and the Jags. So those are three kind of give-me's there, in my opinion, where if their defense plays up to par and their offense plays just par, they're going to win those games. You never know. It's the NFL, but – uh, give me Tennessee as the number one seed at this point. And I think with uh, Julio Jones and or Henry returning, man, that offense is scary. They are tough to beat. I believe in them if it's not Deonta Foreman out there, who <laughs> I was joking about uh, a little while ago that I thought he was one of these like 30-year-old running backs that couldn't find his way back into the NFL. Uh, and then I found out Deonta Foreman is 25 years old, which was baffling to me. Um, that he is, he was basically out of the league until they just called him after Derrick Henry got hurt. And it seems like that guy's been around forever, huh? Yeah, I thought he was like one of these 2015 Pro Bowlers who is like hanging around trying to find a job somewhere. But yeah, no, he's just, I guess, not. He's just not. I mean, his body is worn out because he's a big, bruising running back. But at the same time, they're just trying to make him look like Derrick Henry as a running back, even though I think. Between him and Peterson, I think they had like 19 carries for 49 yards or something last week. <laughs> yeah. Brutal. Yeah. So we'll see what happens there. Razor, thank you again. Uh, much appreciated as always for your expertise and 
all of the insight and great conversation you bring to the podcast. I appreciate your time, Kyle. Hey, all your listeners, please consider following us at beerlife.com. Subscribe to the Oracle's Picks. We are making money for our subscribers. We'll give you 50% off the first month. If you type in Razor50, Razor50, 50% off at beerlife.com. If you want to just follow us on social media, do so at Beer Life Sports, Instagram, and Twitter. We got some really good DFS, Survivor, gambling plays. Uh, these are things that are just resonating at its highest peak in the NFL, and we want to give it to you. Yes, and you can find the links to all of those in the description to this episode. So, you know, don't disappear on us and then forget about it. So, do it now, people, or I guess do it after you finish. Do it when you start listening to another episode of the podcast. How about that? There you go. We, well, I appreciate that, Kyle. Kyle, have a great night. Good luck this week, everybody that's betting. And we hope to uh, return on your podcast soon. Absolutely. Thank you very much. All right, my friend. Thank you. Harry Douglas, Arthur Blank, Dante Fowler, Michael Vick, Devin Hester Hayden, Hurston Caleb McGarry, Tack McKinley, Deion Sanders, Michael Turner, Grady Jarrett, Austin Hooper, Tevin Coleman, Tony Gonzalez. Warwick Dunn, Brent Grimes, Kyle Pitts, Des Turfont, Leftwich, Julio, Mascot Has Creepy Eyes, Darren Holland, KZ, Maddie won an MVP, AJ Terrell, Duron Harmon, Russell Gage, Vic Beasley, we're the Atlanta Falcons, we're always flying and we keep on trying, we're the Atlanta Falcons, we keep blowing leads but we try to fight it. Steven Jackson, Jalen Mayfield, Dan Quinn, and Shanahan, Jeff, George, Jake, Matthews, Fabian, Moreau, Mike Davis, Ito Smith, Devonta Freeman's Pro Bowl, Jock Keys, Rogers, Asante, Samuel, Young Way, Dean Pease, Mike Smith had a winning team, Henry Crockett, Petrino, Calvin Ridley, Jaden Graham, Deion Jones, Tajay Sharkord, Daryl is a running back, Chris Lindstrom, D'Angelo Hall, some dude named Zacchaeus, we're the Atlanta Falcons. We're always flying and we keep on trying. We're the Atlanta Falcons. We keep blowing leads, but we try and fight it. Dirty Bird, bring it back. Roddy White and Alex Mack. Alford, Luke McCown, Super Bowl prostitutes. Justin Hardy, Matt Shaw, Atlanta Braves baseball beat. With an onside kick, dirt cutters, an idiot. Corey Peters, Richie Grant, Chris Chandler, Paul Warlow, Lee Smith, Jay Brown, Super Bowls a no-go, Sanu, Brooks, Reed, Mike Pennell, Matt Hennessy, Dwight Freeney, Toy Lolo, don't score that ball, Todd Gurley. We're the Atlanta Falcons, we're always flying and we keep on trying. We're the Atlanta Falcons, we keep blowing leads and we try to fight it.